So one of the, the biggest mistakes I think we see is people thinking about intellectual property too late. Um, and they start to run up against those deadlines and they lose out on some of the property rights. Um, so my biggest thing, uh, biggest piece of advice, I guess, would be to think about intellectual property early and often. Um, intellectual property is one of those things that you can lose out on. Um, and not just from you know, the, the typical ways that we, we hear people, inventors and entrepreneurs complain that someone else is ripping them off, right? Sometimes they're their own worst enemy um, as far as making sure they're getting their intellectual property on time. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several businesses in the seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have a bit of a different guest on. Normal Wills have founders, co-founders, entrepreneurs, and other startups. Darren is uh, Darren Burnham, and he is one of the attorneys at Miller IP Law. And so we, as as you can catch with most of our intros, we, uh, myself and a few of the other attorneys at the firm, help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And so Darren's one of the attorneys here at Miller IP Law that will that uh, that we that helps out with everybody, works on their matters, and gets it going. So as an introduction or as a way to introduce Darren, wanted to kind of talk through a bit of his journey, how he got started, where he started at, how he got or what degrees he had. Has, where he's worked and how he ended up at Miller IP Law and just doing patent law in general. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Darren. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. So maybe uh, to start out with, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of undergraduate, what you were doing, and then how you just, how do you, got, first of all, got into intellectual property or IP law? Sure. Um, so I studied mechanical engineering at the University of Utah, and uh, it was actually during my undergraduate that I got introduced to intellectual property. Um, I was good friends with a, a gentleman who had gone to law school and had just started up his own practice. Um, and uh, he, he offered to introduce me to intellectual property and uh, I took him up on it. And what was supposed to be just a, a, a two week introduction uh, or so turned into uh, a much more of a relationship and a little bit of a, a career path change. I had actually intended to go on, probably get a master's in engineering, um, go work for uh, some engineering firm or, or company in-house with them developing their products. Um, but uh, once I got the, the taste of intellectual property in my mouth, I decided I was going to change change pace a little bit. So ended up uh, going to law school after I graduated, uh, worked through my undergraduate um, for uh, Holman IP Law. Uh, which became Wilson Hammond Holman at some point, and uh, worked through the undergraduate, uh, went to law school, worked for the same firm uh, all through law school, and uh, then uh, a few years after uh, I graduated from law school. So um, before you do, before you dive in, one question following up. So I mean, I don't know if if you're like me and everybody has their own experience. You get into what is you know engineering school, and it's very technical. It's very you know, A plus B equals C, you do the math, you do the, you do the calculations and, you know, and you're good to go. And then you get into law school and it's, uh, for me, at least it was a fairly big mind shift. And now I have to write papers and lay it out the arguments and there isn't necessarily an A plus B equals C and it's all subjective. It all depends. And so it's always kind of that. And that not only that, you're work, you're, you're competing against 
everybody else that for their undergraduate, they were doing writing, they were writing to the professor, they were used to that. And so what was your experience in law school? Was it a major mind shift? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you work your way through it? Kind of how did law school go as you were shifting from engineering to doing more of uh, law in general before getting or graduating going to intellectual property? Sure. Yeah, there definitely is a, a bit of a, a shifting approach and uh, how, how you handle and are successful in, in engineering versus how you're successful in law school. Um, it definitely was uh, more of a shift for me than probably most at, at law school, just because I came from a technical background. Um, it was interesting in some of the uh, first few classes you went to, everybody went around the room and you kind of introduced yourself, you know, where you're from, what you studied before you came to, came to law school. And uh, a, a lot of heads in the room kind of turned when I said I studied engineering before coming to law school. Uh, you know, it's pretty common to have the political science, the English, history majors, um, things like that. And, the, you know, most, most of my uh, classmates in law school came in with that background. Um, there were very few of us that came in with an engineering background. Um, and yeah, you do, you do have to make some adaptations. Um, coming in and, and writing persuasive papers versus uh, you know, a technical analysis uh, is a very different thing. Um, but I think it did actually lend itself um, pretty well because as engineers, we're, we're fairly organized. We're able to kind of set things out in a structure. And, you know, a lot of the arguments that you make, a lot of the, um, the persuasive um, uh, viewpoints that you put out there uh, benefit from having a really nice structure, a nice way of stepping through um, those those arguments. And so I think engineering kind of lended itself to that a bit. Um, but it was certainly a, a shift. You know, with with engineering, you either you got the right answer and your your widget works, uh, or you don't have the right answer uh, and something just doesn't work. Uh, so, now I'm, I'm going to follow up with one more question. So I mean, every. Now I'm going even further back in time, which is the wrong direction, but we'll, we'll catch up to after you graduate. But, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit about because you were, had plans to go for engineering. You know, you did an undergraduate in mechanical engineering. You're going to go for a master's. You talked with, you know, somebody you knew about, you know, maybe for patent law. But what was it that, for lack of a better word, drove you away from engineering and or drove you to patent law? Because engineering is a good career and you can do that. And a lot of people have done it and successful and it's a good thing. So what made you say, okay, I'd rather be going into patent law as opposed to going into or furthering your career in engineering? Yeah, good question. Um, one of the big things was I, I was really interested in kind of cutting edge technology. And what I wanted to do was eventually work uh, as an engineer in research and development. Mm. Um, but the more that I kind of asked around and, and asked the question, you know, how do you get to R&D? How do you get into research and development? How do you get to work with some of those new cutting edge technologies? Uh, the answer that kept coming back was, oh, you know, we'll just work in the industry for 20, 25, 30 years and you'll get there. Mm. And that sounded horrible. <laughs> I, I wanted to work in it now. I wanted to be working with new technologies, uh, seeing some of the exciting stuff that was coming out of these, these companies and these uh, engineering firms. But I wanted to see it before 20, 25, 30 years uh, in the industry. So as I started to get my feet wet with intellectual property, I found that that's exactly uh, what we do with intellectual property. Mm -hmm. We start from day one, looking at new technologies, figuring out why these things are cool, 
um, what what kind of advantages they're going to bring um, to to science, to technology, to the arts, um, and how how it's going to impact lives. Uh, we do that from day one, not 20, 25, 30 years down the road. Um, so being able to work with that new technology uh, immediately was was one of the big convincing factors. Um, no, and that makes perfect sense. And that's probably a little bit. I mean, I. A little bit a similar story in the sense that I, I kind of got to the end of the engineering school. I didn't want to be an engineer, but I wanted to be, I wanted to still work with technology. And so you kind of, you know, otherwise to your point, you have to, you're, you work on a very small project for a long period of time. You're stuck on it for months or years at a time. And eventually you'll work your way up to, you'll actually get to work on the cool technology after being in grunt for a period of time. And I decided I didn't want to do that. So now with that realization, you did an engineer or mechanical engineering undergraduate, went and graduated from law school and you're coming out of law school. So, you know, looking at jobs, you'd already worked uh, for the firm or for the person that you knew worked at their firm for a period of time. Did you continue to work there? Did you go somewhere else? Kind of how was that transition? Where did you work with? Who did you work for? What kind of clients and how did that go? Yeah, good question. So I was one of the lucky ones that kind of knew where I was going coming out of law school. I had, you know, a position lined up, um, didn't have to worry about doing the job hunting thing coming out of law school. Um, I already had a firm uh, that I was working with and was going to continue to work with. Uh, and I did for a number of years after that. Um, there was a, a little bit of a shift um, in, in the firm. The, the, the owner decided to go in-house with a larger uh, firm in downtown Salt Lake. Um, and uh, I, I decided to take a different path um, during that transition. So it was then that I, I went over and started working with Lowenstein Sandler um, at the time that they were kind of establishing their Utah office. And that's where uh, you and I first met, Devin was over there, um, as we were both working with, with Lowenstein Sandler. Uh, great, um, very large firm uh, based in New Jersey uh, and uh, kind of the IT center in Palo Alto in California. Um, I had a great opportunity to work with uh, Kevin Grange, um, learned from him, uh, some, some great people over there. Um, had another opportunity with another firm come up after that. Um, but uh, during, the, during the time that I was with Lowenstein Sandler, I got to work with a number of uh, really cool clients, uh, a lot of medical device clients, a lot of uh, software, um, worked with a lot of, a lot of big names. Um, and I guess starting back with uh, Holman IP Law, um, kind of cut my teeth uh, with IBM and uh, some software. Um, and then with Lowenstein Sandler, same thing, worked with Red Hat and Google um, and uh, a bunch of uh, medical device technologies and chemical um, and material science and the things, um, a little bit of robotics, uh, especially uh, with respect to some of the medical device. Uh, got a really good breadth of experience uh, with Lowenstein Sandler. And uh, then from there, went to another firm, um, looked for something a little more local uh, as far as the headquarters. Mm. Uh, so worked with a, uh, a firm that was based out of Salt Lake City uh, called Kunzler, Bean, and Adamson. It actually went through a couple of different name shifts while I was with them. Um, but was with them for a number of years. Um, and again, uh, got to continue to work with uh, some, some big name clients and some, uh, some startups. Uh, found that I like to have a little bit of balance of both. Um, Having working with some of the big name clients is fun, um, and but I also found that I enjoyed working with the startups, working with the, the small companies, the entrepreneurs that are just getting going. Um, I found that it was, uh, while it was nice to work with the big name clients, 
it was it was easy to work with them because they had some established uh, processes in place. And it was it, it was good work. Um, mm. It wasn't as fulfilling as working with with the startups. Um, it felt like you made more of a difference instead of being a small cog in a really big machine um, with the big clients. Um, you were a very important piece uh, of the strategy, very important piece of the team when you're working with the startups. Um, a little bit more that has to go into, you know, educating the inventors and uh, uh, the entrepreneurs there, um, helping helping make a difference there. But it's it's really fulfilling uh, to mm. to be able to to step in at that level uh, and help help clients out in that way. So um, after a couple of years with Council Green and Anderson, um, had the opportunity reconnected with you and. Uh, uh, with Jedi, who is another attorney at the firm, and uh, decided it, it you know might be a good move to to jump back into working more with some of the the startups and um, the small to mid sized entrepreneurs, um, and uh, the rest of been been, been here good. ever since. So now <laughs> right. going through a little bit of of your journey. So you so now you've you know you worked with some of the the bigger law firms. You worked with some of the medium law law firms. Miller IP Law is an awesome law firm, but it is on the smaller side. And so, you know, as you go through it, what was the, you know, giving people an insight, what was the benefit or what did you like about the law, large law firms? What did you like about the small law firms? And if you're kind of, you know, putting yourself in the bit of the, the client's shoes, you know, which one would be the, how should they go about making a decision or why would you recommend if you were to look back at the different law firms you work with, you know, is there a benefit to a bigger law firm, smaller law firm? How do you make those decisions or and based on, you know, which ones you like and kind of your experience with them? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, first, from my perspective, um, one of the reasons why I came over to Miller IP Law was because I like that, that small firm feel, right? I like having uh, a little bit more uh, involvement uh, just like I mentioned with the clients, and you know, I prefer working with, you know, some of the small clients because it's more fulfilling. You're more involved. Um, same thing with the firms. You know, with the with the smaller firm where I started at Holman IP Law, it was a little bit a little bit of a smaller firm. Um, I was actually the first uh, employee uh, at that firm, and uh, it got to have a lot of say in you know how how things went with marketing and reaching out, um, you know, identifying the kind of clients we wanted to help out and how best to help them out. And we were really, really agile that way. Uh, it, it was a more dynamic practice. We could kind of tailor make ourselves and, and fit the services that we provided to, to our clientele um, and help them the best way possible. And then, you know, that, that's very different at the large firm. It, it's more of a rigid structure. Um, they kind of have things set in place. They know where, they're, uh, where they want to be and how they want to do it. Um, mm. And you know each individual attorney has very little influence on that. Um, so uh, I think that's I think that's a huge selling point for the smaller firms. Uh, you know if you find a big firm that's a great fit, then that's fantastic. But are they going to be a great fit for everybody? Probably not. Uh, the smaller firms can be more agile. We can identify exactly the kind of clientele uh, that we want to be able to help. The, exactly the kind of inventor. You know we we picked out the. The, the startups and the small entrepreneurs um, and we've been able to to tailor ourselves because we're smaller and can be more agile um, mm. and change our approach we're able to help them in in the ways that they they really need it um, and provide a greater value and be a better asset to them than you know even some of the big big dollar uh, and big name firms um, we can we can provide even better service than than you find 
No, I think I and I'm agreeing with you. I mean, it's certainly a bit of a self-biased answer because obviously I started the law firm to do it a bit differently. But I do think that, you know, the the fun thing about uh, working in a small law firm is you get to have a greater impact and influence on how you work with the clients and you can actually um, give them advice. You can give them strategy. You can sit down with them more versus with the bigger uh, companies. Oftentimes, they're not, you know, and the bigger law firms, you you have a, a rigid way of doing it. You want to make sure it's done the exact same way. And you don't have quite that ability to, to strategize and sit down with them. Well, I always have two questions at the end of each podcast. We're going to change them up slightly, but ask you, so along your career journey or along the law firms and along the, or the educational journey in that, what was the biggest decision or what was the biggest mistake you ever made and what did you learn from it? Interesting. A good question. Um, I don't know what I would say is my, my biggest mistake. So how about I give you a second to think and I'll give you my biggest mistake and that will give you a bit of a time to think about yours. So, you know, if I were to look and say, what is the biggest, I don't know if it was a mistake, but you know, it's one where I've had now 150 plus interviews with various people or entrepreneurs, startups and small businesses. And I would say the number one note that I hear from them is that they'd wish they got started sooner and they wish that they got started more quickly and they spent a lot of their career and their time and efforts working for other companies or other businesses and then they've started their own business or their own or startup and that's what they've loved and they wish they got started earlier in their career and that's probably a little bit the same with me at uh, Miller IP Laws you know what or been doing the law firm now we're coming up on three years since it was started and it's been fun it's been enjoyable you know there's certainly ups and downs and times that are fun that are not but I wish I'd probably got started sooner. And so it's one of those where you can always look back. So with that, that would be my biggest mistake. And my also advice or would be to get started sooner when you find something that you love and you want to do. So I gave you a bit of time to think. So I don't know if you thought of anything else that would be your biggest mistake that you would, uh, you would change. Ah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, t- the timeline thing is, is, is a common thread with a lot of people. And I, you know, that, that might be uh, something that I would probably list. Um, there's been a, a number of opportunities where I've had to be more involved uh, with, with a couple of different companies um, that I've helped. Um, and because of usually hesitance on the part of the firm um, to see uh, attorneys be involved with the clients on a different level than just as their attorney, um, but maybe as an investor or as you know, someone who's actually involved um, on a board or something like that. I've had a couple of opportunities to to do that, and just because of the, the firm I was with, had to pass on those opportunities. And I think it could have been, uh, you know, a really good opportunity um, that I could have taken advantage of, and would have turned out really good. Um, and it's always one of those uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, it's hard to say exactly how that would have worked out, um, but that's probably one of my uh, bigger regrets is there, there were some opportunities that I passed up a little bit um, and uh, it would have been interesting to see how they played out. All right. Great answer. Now that you had the time to think about it. Now I'm going to ask my second an- or second question. I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Normally the question is if you're uh, talking to a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I'll tweak that slightly. If you're talking to a startup or a small business, given that you're intellectual property, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them with regards to intellectual property? Uh, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is uh, know when those intellectual property rights become at risk, right? 
Uh, we get a lot of times uh, inventors, and it's awesome. They get really excited about what they've got, right? And they want to tell the world. They want to. They want to get out there. They want to be at the trade shows. They want to, you know, get their product out on a, a platform like Amazon, or you know, they want to go uh, do a GoFundMe or an Indiegogo. Um, you know, they want to get out there and kickstart their uh, their their path because they're excited about what they've got. Um, unfortunately, uh, sometimes intellectual property gets pushed off to the side a little bit. You know, they get caught up in that excitement. They really want to get out. They really want to show the world. They want to start selling their product. And they don't realize that a lot of times that starts a certain set of clocks for their intellectual property rights. As soon as they start to share that with the world, and it's great that they're excited about it, but that, that sets some deadlines for when their intellectual property becomes public, becomes owned by everybody. So one of the, the biggest mistakes I think we see is people thinking about intellectual property too late. Um, and they start to run up against those deadlines and they lose out on some of the property rights. Um, so my biggest thing, uh, biggest piece of advice, I guess, would be to think about intellectual property early and often. Um, intellectual property is one of those things that you can lose out on. Um, and not just from you know, the, the typical ways that we, we hear people, inventors and entrepreneurs complain that someone else is ripping them off, right? Sometimes they're their own worst enemy um, as far as making sure they're getting their intellectual property on time. So that'd be probably my biggest thing. All right. Well, that's a, a good piece of advice that people can take to heart. Well, as we wrap up, I already know the answer, but I'll ask you anyway. If people want to reach out, they want to be your client, they want to find out more, or they otherwise want to pick your brain about intellectual property questions, what's the best way to connect up with you? Yeah, the best way is just to you know check out our website. Head over to MillerIPL.com uh, and uh, check out uh, the, the resources that we've got available. Uh, we've got a lot of things from uh, kind of self-help uh, products that we can uh, get you started and you can get in with a, a pretty pretty slick set of uh, tools um, and then if they want to uh, if you if the clients want to uh, reach out we've got a great set of attorneys here uh, I'd love to help out we've got a lot of uh, breadth of experience a huge range of backgrounds um, we're able to help out pretty much everybody so all right yeah. and, I'll, and I'll plug for Darren himself as well if you want to or grab some time on Darren's schedule or otherwise meet with him specifically you can go to meetdarren.com Darren is spelled d-a-r-r-i-n so just go to meetdarren.com and you can grab some time specifically on his calendar so well thank you for coming on it's been fun it's been a pleasure wish the next leg of your journey and uh, hopefully with Miller IP Law but wherever you go um, success thanks Evan I appreciate the opportunity